Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast. I'm your host, Steve Kramer of the Coach's Edge, and today we are breaking down the matchup zone defense with Coach Joe Jacobs of Frankenmuth High School. I have trouble really calling it a, a matchup zone. It's just a matchup defense. Tons of man concepts in this specific defense. And Coach Jacobs, Frankenmuth girls basketball just selected as the AP Division II State Coach of the Year for Michigan. And I consider him an expert in this defense. I remember way back in high school, we ran the matchup for one season and I thought it was pretty good. After listening to the coach, this is extremely detailed how he goes about breaking it down to his players. And I had a chance to sit in on one of his film sessions this winter as they were going over some of the rotations with their defense, just super impressed with how he's able to teach it and break it down. And the proof is in the pudding. You know, the team won a, a league title, district title, regional title this past season. And uh, there's no signs of letting up with the success that they've had at Frankenmuth. So if you find this beneficial, be sure to share it out with someone else who may be interested in this type of defense. You can always reach out to Coach Jacobs or myself. If you have any questions, happy to get in contact with you. If you're interested in the Coach's Edge, coachesedge.coach, C-O-A-C-H-S-E-D-G-E.coach. You can check that out as well. Registration is up and running. Thanks again to Coach Jacobs for taking the time to be on the show. Let's get to it. We are live. Excited to welcome Coach Joe Jacobs, Frankenmuth girls basketball. Just got selected as the Division II Coach of the Year for the state of Michigan on the Coach's Edge podcast. Coach, thanks for taking the time to be on the show. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate it. Coach, you've been a been a member of the Coach's Edge for, for a little while. And so it's great when we can have a, a guest on who I'm somewhat familiar with already. And it, it really kind of, I think, helps helps our interview because um, we've been in touch on and off throughout the course of, I don't know how many months or, or year it's been to be able to follow your team and your success. I mean, you win a district championship or a regional championship, you win a league championship. Um, it's had a lot of talent, but also very well coached. And I know a big part of that is, the defense that you guys play, the unique defense that is very tough to guard. So before we dig into the matchup here, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure, I appreciate it. Thanks again for having me, Steve. Um, you know, as you mentioned, my name is Joe Jacobs. I'm my second year varsity girls head coach at Frankenmuth High School. Previously coached boys for um, nine seasons. And then I'm from Frankenmuth and had the opportunity to move over to the girls program and, and, um, Gladly jumped at that just, you know, from the success of the program, um, but also being here in my in my hometown. I'm married with three kids, active in, you know, all different types of sports. So, you know, the 30-minute commute now is a, is a two-minute commute. So made a lot of sense. Um, and we've had some success here in the first two years. Uh, I think we've been 40-5, and 28-0 um, in the conference. Uh, we lost last year in the regional final to Portland, who won the state championship in D2. And then this past season, um, as you mentioned, 14-0 uh, in the league, won the league outright, um, went on, won a district championship, a regional title, and then lost by three in the quarterfinal. So the girls have had some success, and I think a large part of that is, is our, you know, as you mentioned, our topic tonight um, of our 1-2-2 matchup zone. And there's not a lot of teams that, you know, I get the chance to see that run a true matchup defense where, you know, you'll be in your home, which I'll have you explain in a little bit, but it just kind of morphs into so many, so many different things, really tough to scout, really tough to prepare for. And at the same time, I got to think 
it's fun for the girls to play, right? Because they know it's almost like they have something in their, in their back pocket that the opponent, no matter what, pretty much isn't that well prepared for, or if they are, they're not that comfortable with. So tell us a little bit about your philosophy or what you're really going for with this defense. Yeah. So, um, three, uh, five years ago, excuse me, when I started coaching at Flushing, um, when I took over the boys program there, um, there was a gentleman there, um, Roger Solomon, who's helped us here the last two years, but he dabbled in this a little bit, um, in the sense that, you know, it was unique, as you mentioned earlier and, and tough to scout, tough to prepare for, um, you know, it's a zone with man principles, um, you know, and it really takes away gaps. Um, you're forcing teams to hit, you know, the, the with, like all zones, there's, there's spots that, that are open that are tough to get to. Um, and, and we'll talk about that throughout the, throughout the segment, but, um, we really liked, you know, in the men's game, um, taking away gaps because, you know, you have quick athletic kids, um, that like to, you know, to drive and create or drive and get to the rim. And so going to the girls side, um, you know, Roger and I had a long conversation. Do we think it would work well, um, you know, for girls and, and without question, and it's been the key to our success the first two years here. Um, it's become a staple and it will continue to be a staple. The kids really do enjoy it. Um, you know, they take a sense of pride in, you know, in defending people. And I know it's kind of, you know, old adage that you talk about, you know, your best offense can be your defense. And it's really been our best offense. You know, this year we held teams to 32 points a game. Um, you know, we had one team that scored four, one team that scored nine. Um, you know, so we really, you know, got used to it and really did a, a really nice job running it. What do you think are, and you explained some already, but if you had to tell somebody, you know, the two or three biggest benefits to it, what do you think those would be? Yeah, um, I think, you know, in terms of rebounding, um, I think we could have been better this year, you know, in that regard, but rebounding, you think of a zone, you think it's difficult to rebound when you're, you know, when you're in a zone. Um, but here, you know, you, you think of your prototypical one, two, two, or three, two defenses, you're always going to have, you know, a point. And then, you know, we can talk about this later too, but the point's always going to go opposite the shot and, and get and gather any long rebound. Um, and then you have your two low post players and your two high post players that are going to umbrella, um, you know, throughout the paint. So really you, you know, should rebound the ball well out of this. Um, and, and we did, but I think we create a lot of steals, um, which then, you know, garners into to easy buckets on the other end. So layups are much more, you know, they're higher percentage shots than, you know, what you see in a lot of game today is a three point shot. So um, we really need to have an active point in our zone. Um, we've had that, we've been fortunate the last two years to have two really good kids that, um, you know, dig the ball out in gaps and, and don't allow penetration. So there's a lot of benefits to it. You can trap out of it. We can get into that here in a little bit too. Um, there's, there's a lot to it. So, um, and as I get more and more familiar and the more you, more film you watch, there's more wrinkles you can throw into it. Um, you know, some things that I've thought of um, that we can look at trying to do next year. So, um, you know, I think, you know, as, a, as an opposing coach that looks at this and what can we do, you know, 95% um, of the time we see teams run a zone concept offense, um, which for us, you know, early in games is typically, you know, the worst part of it for us because we're trying to acclimate ourselves to what they're going to do and what we're going to see. But there's only so many things in a zone that you're going to see. Um, so once we get the hang of, you know, what a team is going to run, it becomes easier for us. Um, and then in high school, you know, we're, we're going, um, 
you know, away from our bench in the first half of offensively. So we're able to help a little bit too and communicate as coaches on, you know, on the defensive end, which is on our sideline in the first half. So there's a lot of benefits to us for us. Um, you know, and having a deep roster really helps because you can you can do a lot of different things as well. I love it. Talk a little bit about your transition back to defense and then your original setup and some of the locations that maybe you'd call your base or I think you you call it home, correct? Home. Yep. Yep. So home, um, you know, kind of a generic name, but, um, you know, we want us all to get back to home, like sprint back to home. So, um, you know, we really want to, I know a lot of times you see teams that don't transition well back defensively where you get beat, you give up layups or you, you know, you give up uh, other looks, you know, when the ball gets reversed. So we really want to emphasize um, getting back in transition quick. And then what we call is read. Um, so we're going to read the defense, right? So are they going to get into, you know, one guard, you know, a five out pass and cut? Are they going to get into a one, three, one types um, situation, a two, one, two? Are they going to go to a one, four? Um, so we really want, you know, the back end more than the top end to read it and to communicate. So you really need a good, um, a good communicating team, teams that will communicate, you know, the back end girls, you know, hey to the point, you know, Claire, who was our point, you know, they're in a, you know, two guard front, you take ball, right? And so just the communication part, but we're going to have the girl top of the key. Um, generally speaking, that's where we're going to pick up the ball at is at the top of the key. And then we're going to have, um, you know, four feet in the paint. So, you know, your top guard on the left, she's going to have a foot in the paint. You're going to have your right top guard, her foot's in the paint. And then the same thing with your two low post players. Um, that's the hardest part, Steve, is, is getting them to get to that formation, if you will, because generally speaking, as the game progresses, you know what teams are going to run, so they run to spots, and I don't like them to run to spots as much as I want them to get to home and to read in case things change, so a lot of practice time is spent, you know, transitioning um, and getting back, so, you know, if we play teams that don't have good ball handlers, it kind of changes a little bit of the game plan and where we pick the ball up, Um you know, which way we're going to, you know, push the ball or emphasize the ball to go to a certain side. Um, so that's, it's really key is, is getting back early to discourage dribble drive or any type of, you know, transition offense. Cause you see that a lot from a lot of teams now is they want to get the ball up the floor quick. You know, they're trying to score in eight to 12 seconds. Um, you know, our first Portland last year, just a side story, uh, regional final game last year, their first offensive possession was two minutes and 20 seconds. Um, Two, two things that why it's incredible. Incredible. That's some serious patience right there. <laughs> did a great job. But the fact that a team was patient enough offensively to hold the ball for two minutes and 20 seconds without a shot is incredible. So two really good feats there. But, um, you know, we really want to, you know, keep the ball out of the middle of the paint. And we can kind of go through that more. But it all starts on getting back and reading, um, you know, what they're going to do. So let's talk about that a little bit. Let's start with you know, the, the top of that, that one, two, two, that's the home that they're going back into. You talked about getting back into that setup instead of running to the spots that the offense might be filling into. And you're really from there, you're really trying to take the shape of the offense from that position, but you're taking away those driving gaps right away. I'm curious, how do you transition from the one, two, two into any type of setup where teams are starting to, okay, you got a odd front. So they're trying to give you an even front. Maybe it's a two, one, two, maybe it's a two, three setup. Maybe it's yep. almost like a two, two, one type setup. How do you rotate and transition into looks like that? Yeah. So it's a great question, right? So that really, you know, early is trying to figure out what teams are going to do. 
So if we've scouted, the hard part of scouting is no one runs of this that, that we've seen. Um, so it's really hard to understand necessarily what teams are going to run against it going into the game unless we've played them, right? So um, early is just is reading, right? So if, you, if we have a you know one guard front or an overload, um, we're, we're gonna start in home and we're gonna read it. We always want our low post players covering the corners, right? So if you picture a five out, point guard is gonna take the, our top of the zone is gonna take the point guard, our two guards, you know, then we'll cover the two wings on top and then the bottom two will cover the corners. If they go into like a one through one, we're, we're essentially, Steve, we're looking like a one through one defensively is we will then um, take one of the low post defenders and we'll bring her up to the elbow um, to deny you know, the pass to the elbow, right? Because you think of a zone, you wanna get the ball to the middle and then you can play from the middle offensively. So we will bring a low post defender up to the elbow and she will take the ball, right? So if, you know, for the longest time last year, I'd listened to our, our announcers that do the, the radio for our games. And for the longest time last year, they thought we ran a one through one zone. You know, and it's, it's not, it's just, it's a matchup and we're matching up with whoever, you know, if you don't have anybody in the zone, you're wrong. And you got to figure out who's closest and you got to bump that person. So there's a lot of time and preparation and in, in understanding where to go. You know, do you bump the ball? Do you bump a girl off the ball? And there are situations where we do and don't, but if a two one two front, we're going to be in a two one two. We'll take the point of the zone. We'll put her back at the elbow. Right. So typically when you see a two, one, two, um, you know, again, um, you know, we're going to take our point and we're going to put her in gaps. Right. So she's in gaps naturally by being at the elbows. So she's going to, you know, she's going to take away some dribble drive um, or any type of offensive attack from the wing um, and she'll cover the elbow. Um, and then the other four, you know, we're on the corners or, you know, on the guards. If they're in a two, three, we're in a two, three. She'll go back again. Um, the top of the zone, she'll come back to the elbow um, and she'll drop down. Or, you know, what we've done now is whoever brings the ball up the court um, offensively is that girl will be defended by the point of our zone. And then the wing player defensively for us will drop down to make it look more like a 2-3. Um, so again, we're kind of, you know, however someone's going to attack us is exactly how we're going to look as well too. That's what I was going to ask you about is, how, what are some of the rules that you have in place for who decides to drop back? Because that, that point, I mean, they're starting out, they're kind of out there above everybody else. They can't necessarily see the formation that's happening behind them. And it's their responsibility to match up with the ball. And it's really everybody else's job to fill those locations and, and spots from there. Is that really how you start it? You know, if the ball's being brought up on the right side, you know, point takes it that side drops down to, to the wing or to the corner, and then the other side kind of shifts a little bit over to the gap towards the middle? Exactly. So, you know, again, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, communication is so key in this. I mean, it's, it's big in everything in basketball, but even more so for us at home because um, it's really hard for the top of the zone to see because she has to turn and look to see what's going on. And then, you know, by that time, maybe somebody's transitioning and, and you're too late. So 95% of the time is she's going to take the ball. Right, so whoever, if they're in a two-three, so you can imagine like a two-three offensive formation, two guards and you know, three girls down low, is you're, you're going to then drop your wing player and move her down low. So whatever side the ball goes on, that girl's going to drop, and then you're going to rotate, um, you know, accordingly. Talk a little bit about protecting the paint, post touches. You know, I, I feel like the the post game is is not lost. I feel like it's come back a little bit, and I, and I don't think it's ever really left, especially in the women's side. 
and watch a lot of game film. Teams do a, seem like the good girls basketball teams do a great job of hitting post cutters, flashing high post, low post, even getting it in and then kicking back out. What are some of the things that you do to stop those looks? Yeah, so, I mean, that's a great question, and I think it's ever-changing, right? I mean, we're, we're learning things. Cutters are cutters can really affect what we do if we don't see them, right? And so that's why it's so pertinent to be in, in gap help. Um, you know, we teach our post players on the bottom of the zone, so the two girls that are on the bottom, we teach them to play higher up towards the ball where we're going to try, I mean, first and foremost, so you picture two girls offensively on each block, right, one on each block, is we're going to put our post players in front of them when the ball is being brought up the court. Um, we feel like um, it's really difficult to throw post, you know, lob to the post, especially from the top, because we're going to pressure the ball first and foremost, right? So, but what that also does is it takes away cutters um, because they're playing higher. Now, if they're playing lower and they're, you know, they're trying to, you know, half front or three-quarter front, they don't see cutters um, because they're looking at the ball and they're trying to defend. So first and foremost, those girls will play on top of the ball. Um, now, if the ball goes to a wing, you know, if the ball is being dribbled down the right side and the ball is driven to a wing in the post, um, we are going to, we're going to front from the, from the baseline um, where we can then have gap help or help from, you know, the point necessarily, right? Um, so we're always going to front from, from the baseline um, to try and make them throw the ball back to the middle of the floor. Um, but if the ball does go to the post, now it depends on who you're playing, right? Do they have an effective post player? Is she good with her back to the basket? Is she going to catch and throw? You know, we've seen lots of girls this season that, you know, they didn't necessarily look to, to score. They were trying to get the ball to the post to, to play out of the post. So, you know, understanding those types of philosophies. But if we, you know, we want to dig the ball out on first dribble, unless we have a real dominant post player, we're going to immediately double on the, on the pass and force the ball back to the wing. So it just depends on where it comes from and, and who's going to double. Um, a lot of that's just a scouting report thing. I don't know that there's a wrong answer necessarily, but the big problem we had this year, um, and, and it's on me, is we didn't do a real good job of digging the ball out of the post. If we dug it out, we were fully committing by throwing both shoulders to the girl with the ball. and We lost track of who we had previously who threw the pass, right? So just teaching the fundamentals of digging out with not turning your shoulders, knowing where your defender or where your offensive player is. Um, you know, and then always have to be in gaps. So, you know, girls halfway through last season, like, coach, why can't we play man? Let's play man to man. You know, really, this is man to man, right? I mean, you're in gap help. I mean, it's a, it's a lot like a, um, it's a lot like a, uh, like a pack line defense. You know, there's very, there's a lot of similarities there um, where you're, you're in help, right? You're forcing skip passes, you're taking away drives, you're taking away lanes. Um, so we work a lot on, you know, on stunting, you know, um, but the biggest thing is, is, is you have to be able to defend the ball and keep the ball in front. Well, when we got bad this year is when we let the ball get by us. And then, you know, you're trying to stunt and recover. You're, you know, taking gaps and rotation wasn't good enough. Um, so you really do need to defend the ball well. I want to I want to ask you about that in a second, because a, a big part of being able to protect the ball is, is getting into closeouts. And anytime you're in a really more of a protect type defense, closeouts are something that you really have to master because yep. you're not playing up up to touch as much. So but before we get to that, when you say you're front in the post. It, but you're also fronting from the baseline side. So does this mean it's like 
a three-quarter front. I mean, you're if you were fully in front, you're not on the right, so, you know, either side, right? Yeah, that was that was misleading. So when the ball is being brought up initially in the setup, when they're reading, is they're going to be on top of that post player? Gotcha. Yep. Now when the ball starts to move, it's all all basically is just to teach them to play higher. So we take away cutters and we take away flashing and we take away any type of middle stuff, any middle penetration. Now, once that ball goes to the wing, that, that post player is going to move. Um, more times than not, we are going to try to front the ball in the post because we want to force the lob and then have the backside support where we can, we, you know, in the help where we can steal it that way. Mm -hmm. um, if they cannot get to a front position, you know, then we will always try to, you know, to have front or three quarter front from the baseline. If we, that's where we want to try to get to to force the ball back to the middle. And obviously, you're teaching them. Okay, we're fronting the balls near the top. Balls starting to move over to the wing or maybe even the the baseline or in, in the corner area. We're going high above the post player, and then we're sitting more so on the baseline side instead of Correct. going behind them and coming back. Trying to just a lot trying of to yeah. on where the ball came from and how out of position maybe she was, but um, more generally speaking, yes, because we should be on the high side of her anyways. Um, so it should make it a pretty easy front. More times than not this year, we did successfully you know front the post um, but there were a couple of games specifically where we um, played behind them in the post because some different actions and things they did offensively we knew they weren't going to score from the post um, so we were more in help and, and gap um, to take away some other players so again just understanding your personnel um, is, is a big key too yeah I love the I I wish more teams front of the post just from the outside looking in I had the chance to talk with coach Morehouse from Hope College they just won the women's national title for D3. And he is like as strong a believer as I've ever heard on we front the post, no matter what. If he has a team and their center is 6'3", and they would have no problem playing behind and getting stops, he's like, we still front the post. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. We've had some awesome episodes on defense over the past couple of weeks. So make sure you go listen to some of those other defensive episodes as well. Everybody wants to be able to get stops on defense. There's a lot of great ways to do it. And this episode, breaking down the matchup with Coach Jacobs is one of them. Now, coachesedge.coach is live. So if you're curious about what we offer and how we serve coaches through our online resources, through our videos, PDFs, meetings, what we do in season to try to communicate with our coaches and help them be successful during the season, please reach out to me. It's contact at KramerBasketball.com. Let's get back to the show. For a lot of the reasons that you've already talked about, like it is an extremely tough pass to, yep. to get it there. You're really, it's a denial, right? You're, you're taking that entry away. You're pushing the offense almost higher, right? Because everything just has to lift up almost because you're playing on the high side. And a lot of times if you're getting denied in full front, you almost want to nudge even higher. So you have more space to get the pass over top, pushing the offense up. There's just so many good tidbits in there. And when you're front, you're in a position to help on a drive compared to getting pinned behind that yep. post player where they can kind of do that seal slash illegal screen. And then boom, you get some, get somebody like you see teams get beat on that all the time. And I just, I just think the full front can, can do a lot of damage. And as you mentioned, it's just tough to throw that pass. It's just it really you know, tough to like throw that pass. Ball pressure. I mean, if you're, if you're applying ball pressure and you're trying to throw a lob over top of somebody with someone in your face, that's a, that's a difficult pass. If you make the pass and they score, you know, chances are you're not going to do it very often. And we tip our cap and, 
and we try and transition back offensively. The big big thing with playing our you know our defenders on top in a zone, you know the, the susceptible area to this zone in particular is the corner, right? And as as you know years you know I think back to like ten years ago, you know teams didn't necessarily shoot the three as as well as as teams shoot the three now, right? So now you're getting girls that are catching and shooting, or even boys for that matter that are catching and shooting threes effectively from corners. And that's the hardest part for us is to cover corners, you know, even more so like if you get a baseline runner and that girl's playing on the high side and it's, so that's that girl's job. So imagine, you know, girl on low block, we're fronting her and then you get a baseline runner. Well, that girl that's on that block needs to take her and everyone needs to bump to, to the next spot. So if she gets screened, we're in trouble. So that's the one negative to being on the high side is her not seeing a screen and so that's you know we were burned on that a few times this year but um like i mentioned there's only so many so many times you can see it in a game where you know it's coming um so we do have to be able to see cutters and baseline runners um but like you mentioned i do love to front the post just because i think it cuts down passing angles and, and it creates more turnovers yeah and it really i mean and if that's a part of a team's offense consistently it you may be giving up some other things, but the fact that you're taking that away, if that's a big piece of their offense. I mean, that's a yep. huge benefit for, for you as a defensive team. Let's talk about those tough closeout locations. You, know, you, you mentioned the corners and anytime you guys are playing, you know, really heavy, solid gap, protect drive defense, you're going to have long closeouts, especially in the corners, as you, as you've mentioned, how do you go about training that? How do you go about practicing that? You know, what are some of the things that you've worked on to make sure, hey, we're not getting beat as much as maybe another team who is running the same defense? Yeah, so first and foremost, you know, and I could have mentioned this earlier with the philosophy part of it, but we're, you know, we're pushing the ball um, to the baseline. We're keeping the ball, you know, as much as we can with our closeouts as we're not allowing, um, you know, middle. We don't want to allow middle penetration if at all possible, right? So if I'm, you know, closing out to the left and the left wing, my angle to her is to get to her hip, her near side hip, and force her to put the ball on her right hand, which is, you know, probably crazy, but is we're going to force the ball away from the help and push her to the corner where we can trap. Um, you know, we want to take away, you know, you know, we don't want a banana close out, you know, we want to close out, you know, get our get. So if I'm close out to my left, is I want to get my left foot, you know, splitting her legs to where we're going to force to the side. Um, we close out. I, I've changed this over the years, um, you know, and I, I am going to probably change it again at some point. But you know, one or two hand closeouts is right now. We're last year we taught two hand closeouts, getting both hands high in the air, you know, and sitting and, and getting into an athletic stance and worked on um, kick steps, like a big first kick step when we close out. Right is is before we used to teach almost the drop step to where we could beat them to a spot. Um, but I'm not a firm believer in that now because I think offensive game is, is developing more so to where we can get beat when we do that. So we're trying to work on big first kick steps. Um, I watched it at a coaching clinic this summer and kind of fell in love with it. And just, you know, I, uh, we worked on it this year a lot, it, just a big first kick step. And it really brought the girls along. We didn't probably, you know, really master it probably till about halfway or three quarters of the season. Um, but getting a big, big first step, um, but we don't want the ball to go baseline, right? And so that's the big thing is beating people to the spot, cutting them off. We want to try and trap in corners when we can, depending on the team. Um, but closeouts are vital, um, and we work on them daily. 
um, you know, at least five to 10, maybe 15 minutes, depending on the day of the week. And if we have a game, we're following a game um, with our regimen. So it's, uh, it's vital. So um, closeouts from the wings. So if, you know, if a post player, you know, is, is covering the wing um, or the corner, excuse me, um, you know, we initially last year, we taught them we're not going to give up the three. So we're going to leave our feet. Um, we're going to leave our feet and force them to drive where we have help. Um, now I, I've kind of just sat back and thought of statistically what makes sense. Um, you know, in the girls game, a little bit separate from the boys game is you don't necessarily have 40 to 45% three point shooters that shoot the ball consistently from the corner. So we're going to teach them, you know, to cheat. So we're moving on the pass, right? So you're anticipating the pass, you're moving, you know, if, if I'm pushing the ball to the corner, she has to anticipate that she needs to be running to that corner. And when she gets there, we're just going to contest. We're not going to leave our feet now. This year we didn't, well, we did, but, you know, we've taught them to, to, to not leave their feet and to close out with two hands and force the ball back to the middle on that closeout. Don't let her go baseline. Um, so, again, depending on the spot on the floor, we're always going to try to push the ball, um, you know, to the wing unless it's on the corners, and then we're going to try and push the ball back up the sideline. Good, good breakdown there. Um, yeah, the, the kick step. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I remember us practicing in, in college and even high school and stuff of really working on that big, that big first step. And uh, it was great to practice. And at the same time, when it came game time, it was like, just stay in front of them. Or it's just like, you know, you got to do it enough that it becomes uh, second nature. No, no right. question about it. It takes a lot of practice. Um, talk a little bit about the locations where you found success trapping. I mean, I think this defense is is really set in a nice way to, to easily rotate off ball after you get a corner trap or wing trap. What are some of the things you try to do in those situations? Yeah, so first and foremost, we never want to try to trap the ball in the middle of the floor, right? Because right. it's really tough to, you know, to jump to the ball when the ball's in the middle of the floor because who do you defend, right? So, um, you know, if we're on a sideline like a slop, you know, typically defensively is – more times than not, giving things away here, but more times than not is we're going to trap that first pass. Um, you know, we're going to not allow the pass to go to the middle of the floor. We're going to keep it on the sideline, and then we're going to run our point and our wing you know, directly to the inbound, and then the low post player is going to jump up to the out-of-bounds girl that steps back in bounds. We had a lot of success, um, you know, crazy enough, as people didn't know we were going to do it, and we had a lot of steals. Um, so the higher up, you know, closer to half court, you know, where the floor is more spaced out and the athletics athleticism that our girls had this year is we're able to trap and jump to the ball and force the skip, um, just not letting the ball get to the middle. Um, other success that we had this year, Steve, is, you know, we played, um, you know, I think it's Saginaw Heritage. They had two really good guards, um, Zaire Mitchell and Lauren Gunn, two, two really good shooters, really good scores, um, you know, and but they didn't necessarily have, you know, the quality post players that we had. So what we said is we're going to make those girls beat us is when those girls caught, we're going to trap them. This is a second half adjustment. We're just going to trap them when they have the ball. Anytime they catch in the wing, we're going to trap and force them to get rid of the ball. Don't let them, don't let her split it. Don't let them split you. Um, and, and we had a lot of success with it. You know, we were able to, to limit them in the second half, but um, you have weak players. You feel like, you know what, you've watched film and they're going to make a, you know, they're not going to make a strong pass or, she, you know, she doesn't like to have the ball in their hands when she gets pressured. All things you can watch via film. Um, we'll trap her. You know, we call it fire. So the girls, again, the communication piece of it, when they hear fire, we're going to fire and then everyone's going to jump to the ball and we're going to try and force skip passes away, you know, from the trap. And we did have success, 
you know, I don't know if this is getting a little bit off topic, but, you know, we, um, you know, next year more so than this year is we're going to have you know, some three-quarter court pressure um, where we fall back into home, um, you know, because we're going to have, you know, the, you know, the quicker athletes more so than we did this year um, to where we're going to have to try and create some more pressure, you know, defensively, um, but you can have some half court, you know, we, we ended up putting a half court, you know, one, two, two in, and then, you know, once they made X amount of passes, you fall back into home where the ball gets to a certain spot on the floor is we're automatically back in the home. But again, the communication piece, right? The back end has to tell the front end, home, home, home. Um, so again, the communication part of it is really, is really vital, but um, attitude in this defense is everything. I mean, they, they you know, as, as bad as it sounds as we want to hold people to zero points is have some self pride. Someone scores any, be upset about it. Um, you know, we, we really don't want to allow, um, you know, people to score easily on us. So there's lots of places, Steve, that you can trap, you know, one place again, in the middle, if they're looking at like a, a one, three, one offensive setup, if the ball goes to the middle girl at the elbow, we will never trap there. We did that um, early in the season, especially last year. And then this season, our point would turn around and then she would trap. Then that point, her defense or her offensive player would slide to a side and she'd have a wide open catch and shoot, right? So we want to trust that that girl, that that post player that's up defending their post player can defend her one-on-one, -on -one. Um, you know, and it's, it's tough to do because you naturally want to, because we're teaching aggressiveness is mm -hmm. they naturally want to, you know, pressure the ball. So any, anytime it's in the middle, we can double the post. Um, as you mentioned earlier, if they don't have effective shooting, we can double the post, um, you know, force the ball back out to the wing. So um, I know you mentioned you watched our quarterfinal game with Ludington this year. Is they, they had two really good post players. Um, you know, we hadn't seen, you know, a lot of good post players throughout the season this year. And they had two really good ones, two above average post players. But their three-point shooting was, was not good. Um, we, at least we didn't see, you know, them being very effective, you know, throughout film from the games we had. And we were effective and we lost by three. The score was 30 to 27. But defensively, we did a really good job um, defending them and, and limiting them. So, you know, again, you can be creative, Steve, um, a lot of different places to trap. It was a defensive clinic by both, by both teams, uh, to yes. put it uh, in, a kind, in a kind way. It, both teams were defending their tails off on uh, both sides. Uh, that, that is for sure. Talk a little bit about rebounding, right? Every coach, you mentioned it just for a couple seconds in the very beginning, Every coach, one of the first thing that comes to mind when you think of any type of zone, any type of matchup is how we're going to have trouble rebounding out of it, right? We're not totally matched up right away. You know, what are some things that you found, uh, you know, a success or things that you want to continue to improve on defensive rebounding the ball? Yeah. And so when I initially started running this, we never, I shouldn't say we never taught rebounding, um, but now it's, it's, we're getting to spots, right? And so you know, in a matchup, you're typically always going to have a man next to you. So we want to, you know, let's say a shot comes up from one of the wings, right? So if, if our point girl, again, using the top of the zone, um, is down in a gap, if that shot's coming from the left wing, she's always getting to the free throw line and she's going to get any rebound that goes long. Okay, so that's first and foremost. She's always going to get opposite the ball and she's going to get anything that goes long. Um, again, statistics, I don't know who does this, but, you know, you know, you play the game and coach the game is that, you know, 67% of the shots that are missed go along, right, or something crazy like that. So we, you know, kind of threw this into play, like, hey, you know, let's have her catch anything long. Um, 
if her girl shoots the ball, we always want to get four in the paint. That's the first and foremost is four girls in the paint. And we want to almost form an umbrella, um, you know, to, you know, to blanket, you know, anybody that's going to crash offensively. If the point girls, if the, if the point guard comes up and she shoots the top of the key three, we changed my, we changed the philosophy up this year where we would say, Hey, you know, if you brought the ball to court, Steve, and you turn and shot, I'm going to turn and box you out. Cause I'm the top of the zone. Okay. But how many times necessarily does she get her rebound back? Right. And so the, the film that we watched, again, I don't know any statistics on this cause I didn't do it, but more times than not is that girl's typically not following your shot. So we still taught her, okay, turn and look, if she's not coming, you're getting to the elbow again, and you're going to cover any long spot on either side. Um, our post players, okay, being on the bottom, typically they're your two best rebounders, is they're going to cover block and block, right? So depending on where they're at, is they're going to cover block and block, and then you're going to take your two wings, and they're going to come inside, um, you know, and cover inside from block to block. So your two post players on the block and your two wings inside of those two post players, and then you've got your point guard that's going to go long on either direction. Um, I would tell you a thousand times over, we didn't practice it enough. Um, you know, especially last year with it being a COVID year, it was like an NBA schedule. You had a, a game, one day practice game. There was so many things to work on, especially not having an off season. And it was my first year with the team and so many things this year. Um, we worked on it, but not enough. Um, you know, I know that, you know, it's kind of an old adage, but you, I mean, rebound on the ball is vital. I mean, I can think of several opportunities in the, in the Ludington game in the quarterfinal where we, gave up op offensive rebounds and, you know, second chance points. Um, you mentioned uh, as you break down how you try to form this umbrella. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because you're playing a matchup, right? So yep. essentially this compared to a, another more traditional zone, you actually are matched up with an individual person. Correct. But when that shot goes up, you're going back into more of an um, that umbrella formation around the, those blocks, as you mentioned, and then your top player going high weak side is definitely something that you got to practice, right? Because I, I just feel like human nature would be like, okay, who's the close person next to me? I just got to hit, you know, that that's kind of traditionally what we've all been taught, right? Yep. And, and, and one thing that we practice is you know, again, just kind of without a chalkboard here or video material, is if those post players get to the inside, okay, is, is my, so the two wing players are going to look, okay, their first look, you know, was their girl crashing, okay, but they, it's almost a sense and a feel thing, right? If she's in the inside, I'm going to the outside. So you do have to practice it a ton, mm -hmm. you know, where you, you know, there's several different drills that you can do to, you know, try and master it, if you will, but, you know, I don't know if you ever will, but they have to, to read, again, is, is understand where people are at. Um, you know, and it's really important that while we wanted to get that point, the, you know, the top of the zone to be able to cover long because you may not get a body on a body, right? And she needs to be able to be active. And, and she was, she was the freshman, you know, at the top of our zone and she did an outstanding job this year, but she was a very good rebounder, um, you know, from her, from her, from the top of the key. So we'll get better at it, you know, and I think that, you know, through time as we may change the philosophy on what we do, you know, maybe we, you know, don't form an umbrella, you know, maybe we, uh, you know, maybe that was one of the reasons why we didn't rebound the ball well. I guess I need to look back, at, you know, and watch some of this to see some concepts. But um, as you mentioned, you, you should have a man at all times to be able to block out because you should have been defending a man. So um, rebounding is, is vital, you know, as you mentioned. So um, 
Yeah. That's interesting. Maybe I got, maybe I got you thinking about a few things too, but it's just, in my mind. We've thought about this. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 Because like most, and a lot of the coaches that I've talked to recently have said more defense isn't something we drill. It's something we emphasize with whatever it is we have to be doing at practice. And maybe we're going to do some, you know, random scrimmaging any game, but we're just going to emphasize as coaches, the rebounding aspect while we're doing something else. As I listen to this, formation rebounding i'm thinking in my mind no this is actually one of those few situations in my mind where no we actually need a drill rebounding in this situation instead of playing and emphasizing it you need to do both in that situation i'm not saying i don't don't think it'd be effective it sounds it sounds extremely effective because the girls all know like i got to get to certain spots so uh, it's just really interesting to to hear that because i haven't heard that that philosophy as much but but i like it sound it sounds pretty good what do you do with ball screens? That was my next. That was my next That's question. I want, I want to touch yeah. on, and you know how you guys communicate that. What some of the rotations are. You know, it, it sounds like you know similar to. You know, yet there's a lot of switching and, and players moving back and forth. So I'm assuming that's a big part of it. Yep. So guard to guard is a, is a switch all day, right? So if you imagine top of the key, she's going to dribble handoff, or you know the left wing is going to come and screen. It's, a, it's an easy switch, right? I mean, so they'll, they'll just communicate that. Guard to guard is always a switch. Um, again, depending on formation, if you get into a one-three-one or a two-one-two, and that that um, elbow girl is going to come up and screen, okay, as our post player that's up at the elbow has to come up and hedge, okay? And then we're teaching, um, we're going over screens um, more times than not, again, depending on who we're playing, right? Um, over or under, and that's communicated, you know, ahead of time. Um, so hedge and recover, right? And so again, you have backside, you have help because we're in gaps. Um, but you know, where we had some, you have to have a person in the middle of that zone that's active. So if she comes up to the elbow, she has to be active, or he, um, because they have to see screens, right? You can't sit back and stare at the ball, and you're looking for cutters, and you're doing different. Like you have to be locked in on that man because ball screens can kill us. And, you know, in a few times, you know, we had some, we had a certain player up at the elbow and she wasn't covering ball screens and they were getting penetration. And then we're trying to stunt and then, they're, you know, one pass and a three, you know, we're scrambling, right? So um, later in the season, we made a switch you know, with personnel um, and it worked out to be really effective. Um, you can trap out of it. You know, it's another situation where, again, maybe the ball is in the, in the middle of the floor, but you can certainly trap out of it. Um, you're not an ideal situation, but again, depending on the caliber of player you're playing, it's, it's it makes sense to to look at trying to trap it. So we did that late in the season, had some success in our in our regional final game, um, just trapping the ball screens. Um, any type of screen in the corner um, is a is a straight switch for us. You know, so if you imagine the girl in the corner, our low post player is defending, the wing comes down and sets a ball screen, we switch it automatically. Um, so depending on you know who is doing it. Um, is, is going to, you know, tell us who's going to, or how we're going to defend it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're running similar, you know, variations of this, I, I got to imagine as you go throughout the season, you're seeing a lot of the same stuff, right? Everybody's trying to figure out how to play against this second time around. And so I got to think as the season goes on, it just gets easier for the girls to say, okay, we've seen, we've seen this before. We've seen this ball screen before. Uh, I always felt like that was one of the benefits if a coach is playing any type of zone or matchup is 
it seems like there's less options to for the offense to throw at you. Yeah, and, and for me, I mean, again, and I, I can't speak for other coaches, but I watch a lot of film, right? So I, I feel like as a coach, the more prepared I can get the girls, um, you know, in, in days before games or even the day of games. So if I hear a call or I know something they're going to run, you know, again, the communication piece, right? So the girls know, hey, if you hear Michigan, this is what they're going to run. You know, and you know she's going to come and screen. And so you just do your film work ahead of time. And, and so they know what, you know, what we know what we're going to see. You know, 90% of the time is you're going to see someone in a, a structured um, zone offense where they're going to pass and cut. They're going to screen the top of the zone. They're going to get baseline runners. They're going to overload. Um, so the overload is a very difficult, you know, that's probably a whole nother conversation, but that's a difficult um, concept um, sometimes for, for teams that maybe don't run it very well, especially early on as again, it's the communication, but you have to bump, right? And so bumping is huge in this because you have to, to move kids off the ball and get them into a different situation. Mm -hmm. So if my girl was on the right wing and I'm the right, you know, the right wing defender and she passes to the top of the key and she cuts all the way through the zone. Okay. So who, who does that girl on the right wing now have? She has nobody because her girl left and ran to the opposite wing. So she has to run to the top of the key, bump that girl off the ball, bump the point to the wing. Everyone's got to rotate a spot, right? So it's vital, you know, in practicing, you know, with our shell drills and whatnot, is you have to, to see it quickly, right? So you can't, you know, okay, my girl ran to the corner. What do I do now? We're too late, mm -hmm. right? And so then we're out of position. But one thing in this zone, Steve, that I really like a lot is oftentimes the ball moves really quick. So if we're wrong in our zone where we get, you know, mixed up and, and confused is one pass gets us right back into shape again where we're good. Um, you know, so there's a lot of times the ball can, the, the ball movement can help us um, get back into and set up. So I don't know if that answered your question or not. Uh, you know, and I also think just communication is, is huge. You mentioned it already, but communication takes up for so many mistakes. So, you know, even if a girl doesn't necessarily move right when she's supposed to if she's at least communicating where the player from her location is going to to somebody else and there's a good chance if somebody's cutting through they're probably gonna try to get that player the ball at some point because they're going to a, a location that the coach wants them to go to right yep. so even if you're communicating that to to the next player you're giving them a heads up and i think that can cover up for uh, a lot of mistakes when it comes to just the rotation piece you know, maybe when a a cutter vacates a, a certain location. I got to believe, believe that as well. Um, how far, I mean, this is really more pack line protect base defense, but at the same time, you'll, you'll stretch this out. You'll go out to half court um, and, and you really get after it. Is that something that you feel like you could do regardless of the personnel that you have? I'm just I thinking think so. in my mind, is that, you think so? Okay. Cause I I'm just so. wondering I mean, if you're I, not the quickest team, Maybe you'd want to keep packing it in. You know, the downside of this, and we realized this um, a year ago in a game where a team got ahead of us and wanted to slow down, right? So if you're picking teams up at the top of the key, you know, what's to say they can't sit at half court and hold the ball and, right? So, I'm like, you know what, we got to have things in place where we have to try and speed the game up. That's why I'm a big advocate of a shot clock. I hope it happens and we would help our zone even more. This defense would be fantastic in a shot right. clock. So, yeah. But in reality now without a shot clock is that we have to be creative, especially if we get behind, right? Is what, what do we do to, you know, to try and create, you know, some turnovers or, or, or poor passes or, you know, how can we get back on the offensive end? So you can move up to half court, you know, we, we would put, uh, 
we put actually one of our post players. She's she was six foot. She's going to University of Michigan this year to be um, a rower. Um, very good basketball player. But we put her. We make a basket. Um, we put her at the half court at the top, and then we were trying to force. Um, we were trying to force the ball up a sideline, and then where we were in safer out. Like safe is you know we're just trying to slow it down, slow the tempo down in case teams are running up and down on us. You know, if we ran out, you know, it was more of we're trying to trap out of it. We're trying to create some turnovers. Um, we need something, right? So you can be creative in it. And then, like I mentioned earlier, one or two passes or it gets to a spot on the floor and then you're out of it, you're back into home, right? So again, you know, we didn't have the point of our zone at the top at half court. We had her on a wing. Um, so again, I don't, you know, looking back at that, was it super intelligent? I don't know. I mean, we, we created a district or regional final game um, against Swan Valley. We, we, I think we forced like six straight possessions of turnovers in that game off our half court pressure. Um, something that they didn't really know we were going to do. Um, we kind of saved it for when we needed it. And it, it turned out to be, you know, successful this year. I'm thinking of more, you know, running and jumping style um, full court. So I think we have uh, players to do that. Um, and then falling back into home once we get in, you know, once we get into, you know, half court or, you know, um, just in front of half court. So. I think you can have different different philosophies, right? I mean, you, you can have different principles, different, um, you know, maybe you're gonna force the ball to the middle and you're gonna trap it. Maybe, I mean, there's so many different things that you can do out of it, but I think it all boils down to it's vital to have someone at the top of the zone that can keep the ball in front and can protect gaps. Um, it's, it's super, super, super important. And, you know, last year we had a, a senior that was really good at it. And this year we had a freshman um, who got really good at it. And, you know, the fortunate part is we get it for three more years. So, um, yeah, so I guess long winded answer, but I think you can have different personnel in different spots. Um, we, I'm, I'm debating our, one of our best rebounders this year was, was our, was our, um, our leading scorer who was a guard. Um, I'm actually contemplating we're losing two post players. Um, we returned one that was injured. Um, but I'm also debating on maybe putting her at the bottom of the zone because she rebounds the ball so well. Mm -hmm. And then she'll be able to cover corners easily because she's quicker. Um, so there's there's some wrinkles, you know, and I for anybody that's listening to, I mean, I you know, I can certainly leave my email address. I, I you know, I'm willing to share film, talk, communicate with anybody. Um, you know, I'm an advocate of this and, and would love to talk about it with anybody. So definitely would welcome sharing my information. I'll well, definitely put your contact info in the description below the podcast. You mentioned the run and jump. Make sure you guys listen to the Coach Campbell podcast. That's a pretty recent one as well as he digs into, you know, what they did at Crosslex with the run and jump. Had a lot of success yes, there as did. a program uh, as well, using that defense. And uh, I'm also a big advocate of, of that defense. You got the personnel do it. I love it. Um, so you mentioned the it's like an amoeba really i mean you you can use this you can morph players you can switch them around um it's a very versatile type defense you talked about some of the personnel as far as the top the head of the snake in that original home or base defense of that one two two setup and that was one of my final questions that i had can you talk about the personnel needed at the different locations on the court to make this a great defense yeah, so you, you know, and I don't know, like, I've been pretty blessed with, you know, with um, athletic kids, you know, since we've started running this. Um, you know, we talked about post players, and you know, we've had post players that, 
you know, essentially this year were wings for us offensively. I mean, positionless basketball players, you know, girls that can close out in the corner. You know, if you've got a, you know, a, a Shaquille O'Neal, you know, I, it's going to be pretty tough for Shaquille O'Neal to cover a corner, right? You know, and it, again, it's a bad analogy, but you get the point. I mean, it's, you have to have athletic players that can cover spots. So if you're in help and you're trying to sprint to close out, right? Um, you know, we called it organized chaos. I mean, we, you know, we were best when we were chaotic and, and that's really what we're trying to get teams is to get out of rhythm. Um, but you need the personnel that can do it, right? And I think that, you know, stopping the ball, protecting gaps and covering corners, um, you know, it seems pretty simple, but it can be difficult based on on, on, on your player and on, on your roster. If your roster doesn't fit that, um, you know, there were a couple of times this year where we you know, changed up and went a little bit man to man, um, you know, just based on some, you know, subbing and some, you know, um, maybe matchup problems that we may have um, where we switched it up and went man, right? And, and teams didn't probably even recognize it, Steve, because, you know, it really doesn't look a whole lot different unless someone runs baseline and she goes with her. Um, so, again, long winded answer, but I think you just have to have athletic kids that can cover spots on floors and protect gaps. And, you know, I, I know it sounds easy, but, um, it's, it's taken lots of practice. You know, kids have to buy into this, you know, um, like I mentioned a year ago, like, Hey, can we play man to man? Well, this really is man to man. You're in a zone and you have a man and you're in help. And you're playing man, um, you're playing man principles, right? Yep. And you, you say, Hey, you know, just like in a man to man that fronts the post. Okay. We're going to front the post in this. A lot of the closeout concepts, a lot of the off ball gap concepts are the same. You know, some of the tweaks we're not running through with a cutter. Like we're talking, we're talking it through. We're we're bumping people across in some of these situations. Maybe you know some of those ball screens that you talked about earlier. Those are going to look slightly different, but you're responsible to to a player while you're in some of these locations, and you just got to communicate out of it, and move out of it. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why it's such a tough defense to score on. I mean, your your history playing the defense itself uh, speaks for it. And if you're a coach listening, you're like, man, we maybe we don't have you know, that real big post player, well, maybe, maybe it makes more sense to play this kind of defense then because you can interchange some of these parts throughout the, the court and you can still get out to the corners and guard. You can still bump people off and you don't have to worry about, okay, we have a slower, bigger player in the post. They got to be responsible for the corner three. Maybe it's a good defense for you to, for you to try out as you're listening to this. You mentioned, some of the cutting actions being maybe one of the most difficult things to guard. Is there anything you wanted to add on to that or, or any other actions for, for coaches that want to try this out? Say, hey, you know, keep an eye out for really practicing this specific area. Yeah, cutters are, are is, is the biggest. I mean, cutters and pick and rolls, right? That's the, I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot you can do with both of those concepts, but um, cutters, I mean, same thing you would teach with, you know, if you're going to pass the ball from the wing to the top of the key, you know, as a defender, you're still jumping to the ball. You're, you know, you're taking away the face cut. You know, you're not letting somebody cut in front of you, right? And so if, you're, if your post players are playing higher, um, you know, you're taking away that passing angle, right? So that was problematic for us early on, quite honestly, is that, you know, we'd pass and then we'd turn and stare at the ball. The girl would cut in front. Our post players are playing low and simple basketball, right? Um, so the more practice you have is taking away cutters. Um, the one problem we had too, and I meant, I meant to mention this earlier, you know, away from the ball, you're on the opposite side, you know, your shoulders, how are you, you know, how are we teaching the girls to play their shoulders? Are they turned looking at the man? Are they, I'm sorry, are they turned looking at the ball? 
you know, we teach our girls to play, um, you know, shoulders uh, parallel to the backboard, and they're playing as low as 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 their as their offensive player is. So imagine the ball, you know, on this wing. If I'm the player on the opposite side, and she's sliding down the corner, I'm not turning my shoulders to where I can't see her move. I'm dropping. I've got a foot in the paint, and my shoulders are parallel to the backboard. So we need need to be able to see both, right? So play level with your offensive player. So pick and roll is, is something you need to work on. Um, again, depending on if it's guard to guard, if it's dribble handoffs, I mean, you, you start to see a lot of DHOs with, with you know, um, offensive philosophies nowadays. We run it, um, some stuff, some action off of that. It's a simple switch, right? Same thing as a, we treat dribble handoffs and pick and rolls the same. Um, again, just depends on the personnel. Um, you know, and I'm sure, you know, the coaches that are listening to this can, can add their own twists and tweaks to these things, depending on, on their own personnel um, and how you defend things. So um, those are the two biggest actions that, that hurt us. And I also, we mentioned this earlier, the overload, you know, overloading aside, um, you know, can hurt um, depending on how you're aligned and if, if we see it or not. Uh, if teams go one, four high, do you just you know, I'm assuming you go wing, wings, wings wide, and you just kind of lift the the baseline up a little yep. bit so and still stay and between them and the basket. Yep, yep. So points on the ball, um, two post players at the elbows, and then the two wings on the wings. Mm-hmm. And then you know, Midland Dow ran this against us this year. I mean, we were that was a tough game um, at our place. They ran probably the best offense against it, but they they would try to um, set more. Can't think of the name of the screen screening action, but they would set more. Um, they would try and screen our, our wings, and then have post players come around. Yeah, they pin them. They try to pin them. Yeah, yep, pin, mm-hmm. yep. It wasn't a pin down, but they were. Right. You get the pin point. Them to the so, inside. So yep. what we had to see is yep. communication, right? So those our post players, our post defenders needed to see those screens. So if I'm staring at the ball and not looking at action, I can't see what's going on, right? And so we struggled with it, especially early on. But as the game you know, kept going on as, as we were able to, you know, what we ended up doing is adjusting the zone a little bit and the guards played wider and, and took away, you know, the screening action and then they had to adjust what they were doing. So um, again, as I mentioned, as the game starts, you're going to see things that maybe your team has never seen, right? So our coaching staff, as we watch early on, what are they doing, right? And so, you know, maybe we diagram those things out. We can talk about it at halftime or a timeout or if things get to a certain point where we need to to address it as we can call timeouts, but you're only going to see so many different actions, so many different things throughout the course of the game. And I love being in front of our bench defensively in the first half because we can communicate it with them. It's easier. <laughs> yeah, no question about that. <laughs> as so, it, you know, it's fun. I have, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, I, I didn't have anything else to say. I, well, just I just like to myself sometimes. I'd be, I'm more of an offensive minded, minded guy. And as I've gotten older, I'm thinking more defense, I think, but I still go back to like, okay, if, if you're playing against this defense and, and we ran this defense one year, my sophomore year of high school, I still remember we, and it was, it was matchup oriented as well. So not a ton of experience with it, but a little bit playing it. And, um, we, I was just thinking of, you know, Iverson type cuts coming along the yep. foul line, different types of, you know, one four sets where maybe it's the bigs on the outside and they're trying to pinch in and then you bring your shooters out to the wings and you know really maybe that lifts up the baseline so if you catch it on the wing can you quick rip it and drive baseline right because with this defense you don't want to get beast be baseline right yeah. and so just different you types of things like four, that you mentioned the one four you know and i if i'm if i'm a offensive minded coach which sometimes i am sometimes i'm not i think that in a one four 
you can get a lot of looks out, out of that because you're lifting everything up and right. you're leaving you're leaving um you know essentially you know the bottom half of the offensive end open where if you can get the ball to a post player but not not a horns look necessarily but if you throw to a post player and you get a backdoor action i mean you're not going to score on it consistently but um you know one thing midland dow did against us is they throw to one post player and then the other post with x in front and she would dive in front of our um in front of our defender mm-hmm. and they were getting looks off that right yeah. so we had to you know learn to you know then to bring our girls in tighter so we take away those x cuts right so yeah um again ran it early on it and had success so i i like that concept i mean you know lifting everybody up and um you know trying to run some stuff off it that way but um i love it i think our girls love it they they say they do i don't know if they're just saying it because they want playing time but it's really been effective for us um as long as we can rebound out of it you rebound out of it and uh you've obviously been effective out of it Winning games is is the true true sign, and uh, half half the game is is defense. And uh, you've been limiting teams to you know, very poor field goal percentages uh, doing this defense, which has been uh, really cool to see. And so, coach, just congratulations on a, a really great and successful season. A couple of things before we go: you've been a part of the coach's edge for for a little while, and uh, usually a couple times throughout the course of the year, I actually try to push it because most of the time I don't really push it. I just try to work with the coaches that are inside the membership, but we're coming up on one of those times a year. Can you talk about, you know, some of the benefits of being a member of coaches coach? Yeah, certainly. I mean, so I, I, I'm, when I study and I, and I do these things, I'm a big uh, video component. Like I'm, I'm not much of a reader per se, as much as I am. I'd rather, I'm, I'm a visual person where I need to look at things and, and learn from videos you know i use youtube a lot which is crazy but i use a lot of the videos on the coach's edge where you know you've sent these things out i don't remember what day of the week but i always look forward to them coming because there's always a concept or something that you know late game situations are you know um i can't think of anything off the top of my mind right now but um so many different positive attributes that maybe you don't think about as a coach right and i think if if you're not thinking about things you know other coaches are and then you know you're at a disadvantage so I just, I really like being a part of this coaching group from the standpoint is I need to do it more. Um, but I think the videos for me personally um, have been a game changer, just practice plans. And, and um, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, your off season, you know, your postseason meetings with kids and um, we do that, but just, you know, maybe learning different things and different, you know, ideas to, to run by kids. And so, you know, I appreciate what you're doing. I know sometimes it goes unseen and unheard, but I'm being just this opportunity right here where you talk to a, you know, well, I'm not a local high school coach to you, but um, kind of from your area where you grew up and just an opportunity to talk about something I love or other coaches. Um, I would love for someone else to, to run this. Um, and maybe, maybe not anybody we play, but um, I, I think it's great what you're doing. I appreciate you. Appreciate the kind words. Uh, we're, we're excited to have you as, as a part of the program and continue to try to help you little by little with, with the video or whatever it is. We certainly have a lot of videos within the Coach's Edge uh, membership. And yep. uh, so it's good to see that they're they're being put to use. Um, again, I'll put coaches, Coach Jacobs' contact information in the description below. I'll put, you know, Frank and Muth Girls Basketball Twitter link and a good follow on there if you want to follow you know, the success of their program. I know there's, you know, some videos and some things like that that you'd be able to see if you follow their thread there and you have a chance to reach out to Coach Jacobs. If you have any questions about this defense, as you mentioned, you don't, you don't want necessarily anybody to play it 
play this uh, defense in your conference or coming up in a state tournament. But, you know, if you're a coach listening in California or Washington state or Louisiana or something like, you know what, I, I kind of like this. I'm going to reach out and try to learn more about it by all means uh, do that. Reach out to me. I'll put you in contact with coach uh, Jacobs as well. So coach, thank you for, for taking the time to be on the coach's edge podcast, probably taking up too much of your time already. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks coach. I told you it was detailed. Man, this was an awesome conversation. I could have talked with Coach Jacobs for another hour, break it down different types of ways the offense might try to attack it and then how they would defensively start to rotate and maneuver and some of the attack points that they use to create turnovers and you know, just some of those tough locations they try to put the offense in. A really great, great episode. Coach Jacobs, he's a member of CoachesEdge.coach. If you're interested in signing up, Registration is live. We're going to continue to encourage that to try to get our members to register at about the same point in time so we can dig through uh, creating a coach's guide in the month of May and really start to reveal and upload some of the new resources that we've been working on this past season, this past winter, throughout the course of, of the spring and summer. So it's a great time to sign up and uh, the price of coachsedge.coach will also be going up in May. So you want to get locked in for our current price and rate as well. If you have any questions about this podcast, any questions for Coach Jacobs, I'll put his contact information in the description below. Any information and questions about coachsedge.coach, please let me know. Thank you again for listening. Appreciate all of you. And as always, get after it today.